episode of the Blitz Package over on Arrowhead Addict and Blog Talk Radio. Today we're going to be touching on the playoffs from this past week, and then we're going to go into breaking down the defense and what needs uh, fixing, whether that be staff members, whether that be players. So first, let's talk about what were your guys' impressions of the playoffs this past weekend? Uh, I thought the Patriots did everything the Chiefs should have done against the Titans. Uh, they have horrible run defense, or they have decent run defense, but they have nobody that can stand up to a running back in the passing game. So the Patriots killed them with guys you've never heard of while Kareem Hunt couldn't get touches. Uh, you know, the defense, the whole time I watched the game, all I heard the announcers as the Patriots did it was, well, stop the run, and they don't have a passing attack. They don't have weapons. So just stop the run and you'll win. Well, they stopped the run and they won. All the Chiefs let them run for 150 some odd yards. So, I mean, the Patriots did what we all knew the Patriots do. They'd kill them and they did it in the exact same way that the Chiefs should have done it. And we all said they should do it the week of and exactly how the game plan should have went. It didn't take Bill Belichick being the best coach ever. It didn't take Tom Brady being the greatest quarterback ever. It literally took common sense and doing what everybody told you you should have done all week. But somehow Andy and Sutton and the rest of the team was smarter than all the rest of us, so they didn't have to do that stuff. But maybe they should have, and then we'd have been playing the Patriots and probably still would have got beat, but I bet it would have been a little closer game than what that game was because – that game didn't even get sports center highlights. It was so bad. So I don't know. All it did was make me angry at how easy they made it look. And it was like, yeah, we we could have been that easy. But you guys decided to screw around and not do what everybody told you to. So what do you think about the Jags, Chris? Well, the Jaguars did exactly what I thought they were going to do, obviously, you know, with my wonderful predictions that I bring to the show every week. Um, you know, Jacksonville... Uh, Wait, the Chiefs are still in the playoffs? <coughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, Listen, one side of my bracket is still correct, okay? And I'm not going to let you take... I'm not going to let you take that away from me. Um, <laughs> it's, you know... <coughs> Jacksonville ran it 35 times against Pittsburgh huh. with um, 25 carries by Fournette, five from Bortles for uh, actually 35 yards. And uh, TJ uh, Yeldon even got involved with uh, five carries with for 20 yards. He scored a touchdown as well. Fournette had 109 yards for three touchdowns. His average was 4.4. We have seen that average not work for Andy Reid and Matt Nagy or whoever you want to blame um, with Kareem Hunt. That's not that's not good enough. And so after eight carries, nine carries, uh, Kareem Hunt doesn't run the ball anymore, and we end up losing games. Um, there's just no way around that. Jacksonville, uh, <clears throat> um, I'll be honest with my ridiculous uh, predictions every week, uh, it did surprise me. The end score surprised me. Um, 45 to 42, right? That's that's insane. Um, Blake Bortles had a uh, <clears throat> Blake Bortles-type game, I guess you could say. Uh, 14 completions for, I think, 26 attempts, 214 yards and a touchdown, no interceptions. 
but those aren't aren't impressive by no means. Um, they won by running the ball, and and uh, and you know there obviously wasn't much defense played uh, with with a score like that. Even though the Jacksonville Jaguars do have a pretty pretty impressive uh, young defense, I think I think they'll get better and better from year year in and year out. But uh, it's uh, when you're sitting at home and your team is not in the playoffs, you just you get a chance to, you know, to reflect on what could have been. Um, you know, Britt, you, you mentioned that, that Kansas City may, may not have beat New England, and, and maybe not. But New England beat the Tennessee Titans the way that New England should have. That score is, is reminiscent of, of what it should have been. It shouldn't have been a close game, and uh, and you know you mentioned that it didn't even get highlights on ESPN. Well, it it shouldn't have because that game is is not a watchable game unless you're a Patriots fan. That's not a watchable game. You're not tuning in to see if the Titans can beat the Patriots. Um, I think one of you guys, I th- one one of you guys, I think mentioned in, on Twitter earlier in the week about <clears throat> or over the weekend about how. Uh, Tennessee wins a playoff game, they advance, they lose a game that they're supposed to lose, and their coach loses the job. Meanwhile, but it was mutual. <laughs> yeah, sure it is. Every time I've lost a job, it's been mutual as well. Um, and the coach that that coach beat is safe and sound. Now, I know I'm just ruffling some feathers here. I'm not calling for Andy Reid to be fired. Um, what he's done... He's not going to be fired, and he can go two and fourteen next season. And he's still not going to be fired, I don't believe. But it does. Kansas City, as as a fan sitting sitting at home, Kansas City should have been playing this weekend, and there's a possibility that they should be playing next weekend as well. Um, it's. Because I can no longer say that New England versus Kansas City is a given loss for the Chiefs. Um, I think that would be an uneducated uh, statement. Um, To be honest with you, Kansas City has fared well against the Patriots for whatever reason. Uh, But it it just goes to show that, uh, you know, any given Sunday or Saturday, um, these teams can win unless you're the Kansas City Chiefs. And, and it's it's sad. You know, there's all sorts of stuff going on on, on social media about, you know, uh, how how mad are you now, Chiefs fans, and, and it, does this make it worse, you know? And, and I, I don't think Tennessee going to New England and getting their butts whipped made it any worse for me personally because, well, that's what should have happened. That was exactly what should have happened um, when the Chiefs played the Titans. Uh, the Titans were 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 playing to uh, to lose and and get on with next season, and Kansas City still couldn't do that. Um, whichever I think it, one of you guys I, I think posted something like that on Twitter, and and, and I completely agree with it. Uh, it. It's you know football football's crazy, and year in year out you'll hear somebody say what a crazy NFL season, and this is a crazy NFL season, and the Chiefs are part of that craziness. There's no doubt. Uh, you know, you look at look at the NFC, which has nothing to do with us. But you know, Philadelphia and Minnesota, 
Philadelphia without Carson Wentz and the Minnesota Vikings with Ace Keenum. My goodness, what is going on in the NFL? This is crazy. And and but there's been some good football. You know that Jacksonville Pittsburgh game was great. The uh, the Minnesota Vikings game uh, against New Orleans. I mean, Stephon Diggs, what's up? That was amazing play. And and that that poor safety, uh, Marcus Williams. You know, I'm glad he's keeping his head head up. And uh, because that's a hard one. That's a hard pill to swallow. He missed bad. Yeah, he missed bad. He uh, he he, uh, bad. he he gave up. Uh, <laughs> There's so many good <laughs> memes of it, though. Yeah, there is. Oh, yeah. There my is. favorite's the Stone Cold the... Stutter one. Yes! <laughs> that is my absolute I, favorite. I haven't seen that one, but I have seen the one where he, where it's just a bunch of different scenes, and they have they have his little, his little uh, I don't know what you stumble, the, I guess. Play into the dance song. <laughs> yeah. But, you know, it, football's crazy, man. And any given, given Sunday, any given Saturday, these teams can win. And, and it's just, uh, it is frustrating. I understand Chiefs Kingdom. It's frustrating when when that does not apply to your team. And it hasn't for uh, years and years and decades. So, so I kind of want to touch on um, those playoff games. You know, you mentioned, Britt, about the Titans-Patriots game. You know, they mentioned it, mentioned it multiple times that the Titans were the worst team in the league when it came to covering a running back or tight end. You know, they gave up the most completions, the most yards. I don't understand why we didn't do that. You know, you got Kareem Hunt, who is huge in the passing game, didn't use him. Um, but I think the thing that really intrigued me the most was arguing with people about the Steelers game. I mentioned on Twitter about, you know, how the Blake Bortles and the Jaguars are able to do something twice in one season that the Chiefs have been unable to do the last two years. Whether you want to go back to the playoff game, whether you want to go back to uh, week six, I think it was, that we played them this year, we haven't been able to put up 20 points. We haven't been able to put up, I don't even think, more than 16 because I think we did 16 in the playoffs, 13 in the regular season this year. Okay? And the the key factor in both the games for the Jaguars, which is pretty much like any other game, is running the ball. And I had someone tell me, well, they don't have Shazier in. That's why they're able to run the ball all over the place. Okay. I'm pretty sure Shazier was in there. In week five, when the Jaguars played them, and let's let's check. Fournette had 28 carries for 181 yards and two touchdowns. Where, where's your excuse for that one? Okay. Then I had someone else tell me how uh, Jaguars line is greater than KC line. Well, the fact that Kareem Hunt was the leading rusher this year kind of defeats that whole argument. You know, we we can sit here and try and make excuses. But the point is, the Jaguars, they ran the freaking ball. They knew that Bortles is not their, you know, savior or uh, this great quarterback. They knew they needed to run the ball. They didn't forget about the run game. Look what happens. They, they put up big numbers on the Steelers. They put up 45 freaking points against the Steelers. The Chiefs can't even put up 17. 
It we is put up 45 in the last three games combined. Exactly. I mean, it is just absolutely pathetic. And, you know, we sit here and make all these excuses on, you know, I, I know that there's been the discussion about uh, the play calling. You know, I, there's been a lot of people get involved in on that conversation. And, you know, I'm, I'm pretty much done with that conversation. I get that, you know, Alex Smith made his uh, – mistakes you know especially in the second half he had a kind of raunchy second half i get that you know i i get that most of those plays were rpos you know that's something that seth kaiser over on arrowhead pride likes to point out i get that i still don't understand why if if you're if you're looking at all the teams that play the steelers why are we the only one that can't score 17 points they don't have this fantastic defense Shazier or not okay you like I said Blake Bortles went 2-0 and against the Steelers this year Blake Bortles the guy that everybody makes jokes about and memes about there's literally Twitter accounts of bogus Blake Bortles facts he's so bad He's in the AFC championship game. Exactly. And you know why? (laughs) Because they ran the dang ball. I don't see why that's so hard to comprehend. But, I mean, let's look at the playoffs now. You got Nick Foles and the Eagles going up against Case Keenum and the Vikings. I was right about that. You got Blake freaking Bortles and the Jaguars in the AFC Championship. I was right about that. (sighs) (laughs) Don't forget, you got Tom Brady and the Patriots, too. Oh, yeah. No one cares about them. They're expected to be there. I was wrong about that. (laughs) They're expected to be there. Now all I can do is root for Blake Bortles to beat the Patriots to really make this pain go away i honestly think that if blake bortles goes to the super bowl even if he gets demolished in the super bowl if he beats the patriots this weekend i don't think i'll have any pain from the chiefs losing just because the amount of joy that the jaguars were able to defeat the steelers and the patriots to get into the super bowl how fantastic would that be First thing I'd be doing is firing Andy Reid and calling Tom Coughlin to come be our coach. <laughs> yeah. You win two Super Bowls over the Patriots with Eli Manning, and then you take Blake Bortles to the Super Bowl? Yeah, yeah I'll take you. <laughs> See, when people say great coaches and what good coaches do, that's what good coaches and great coaches do. Mm-hmm. Not, well, Andy Reid gets the best out of his guys. Tom Coughlin's getting Blake Bortles to the AFC Championship game. I, I still think that Blake Bortles will be gone after this year. Eh. Three weeks ago, a, I would have said reason, 100%. There's a reason that they they run the ball as much as they do and play it that simple. But but even if, you know, like Tom Coughlin, he's their oh, – what did they – they gave, they like made up a position for him because um, – he basically is general. He's basically general manager of the whole team. 
Right, and then you got Doug Marone as their He's head like coach. Bill Parcells was in uh, in Miami. Right. Whatever thing they call him, but basically he's one step below the owner. Either way, they're getting it done down there and with Blake freaking Bortles. So I, I don't think that I don't think Blake Bortles will be back next year, honestly. I think that I still think that that's a possibility for Alex Smith, to be honest. But I don't know. Well, let's let's get into the defensive side. We're going to kind of I figured we'd kind of break down each position. Um, I want to talk a little bit about what everyone's saying about Sutton and the defense. I don't know if you guys have noticed, but if you get on Twitter at any time of the day, it could be four o'clock in the morning, someone's saying fire Sutton. And it sure seems like, you know, if, if you weren't a Chiefs fan, you would think we had the worst defense in the league this year. And when you look at the points per game given up, we were 15th in the league. You're still on the right half of things. Okay, yeah, I get that, you know, you, you want to be further up the chain, right? You know, it's the first time that we haven't been in the top 10. You know, last year we were 7th. And then the first three years of Bob Sutton, we were in the top 5 in points per game given up. So I get that that's not where you want to be, but – Good Lord, guys. I mean, you guys act like we are the worst defense in the league. And I just don't get it. I mean, I, I, I get that, you know, I'm ready to move on. Sure. I'm ready to get someone more aggressive, uh, more willing to adapt as the uh, as the game goes on. But I think that's on both sides of the ball, uh, Andy Reid included. Uh, I don't think they adapt very well. I don't think that... You know, I think I mentioned this last episode. I think they both think that their um, kind of schemes will beat anybody. They don't scheme to their opponent. So, and we and we saw that. You know, we 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 let them run all over us. And you know, I try and try and try to make sense of that uh, with the Titans game. But the only thing I can think of is they were letting the Titans run the ball. To eat up clock but you know when you go back yeah there was definitely schematic issues but there was also player personnel issues i can't i think i saw two or three different plays where revis was jogging after henry there was uh the 35 yard touchdown uh he was jogging there didn't even make an attempt uh there was another one that went for like 12 or 13 yards that the last literally- play of the game there was, like he literally ran right past uh, Darrell Revis. Revis was just kept on jogging. Didn't even make an attempt to push him out of bounds or nothing. You know, that was I, the last I'm, play of the game, wasn't it? No, that that was actually in the. That was another one he did where he jogged the last like five yards. Yeah, don't I don't know if it would have done any like good, but the, he just said nah. Like beginning of the fourth. But either way, I mean. I think that, you know, I, I'm actually working on a piece right now for probably this weekend just because it's going to take a little bit of time. But I think that overall it does, you know, it's like we've talked about this whole time that we've been doing this podcast is it comes down to the coaching. You know, if you're if you're not getting everything out of your players, that's that comes down to the coaching. But 
when you know you you look at different um different games you know i went back to the oakland game i went back and looked at games where defenses or offenses were able to put up a lot against our defense and there were so many mistakes by players especially in the oakland game the first time we matched up against them uh there was one and i put a couple of these up on twitter uh there was one uh in the final drive or maybe second to last drive for the raiders and the cooper wide open over the middle you had mitchell lined up on him you had Sorensen over the top to bracket him and Sorensen bit so hard to Cooper stepping like he's going outside and then he cuts back in and Sorensen takes this super big loop to get back to him and if Parker wasn't there that could have been a touchdown there's another one where Eric Murray did not get you know he was supposed to uh, I think I can't remember the corner, but they were handing it off, handing off Cooper as he went across the middle. Murray didn't recognize it, then takes a terrible angle, and that that was the other Cooper touchdown. I mean, there there's stuff like that in a lot of the high scoring games, and I think that we have to you know point the finger at some of the players too. You know, we're we're okay with pointing the finger at players on offense, but not the coach. But then on the defensive side. I, I think that a lot of people think it's just scheme. And I think that there have been times where Bob Sutton is scheming up a good defense and it's not working because of the players. Which, once again, comes back to Bob Sutton, and I completely agree. But I don't think it's all scheme. You know, where, where do you guys have you guys had a chance to go back and watch some of the film from this year? Uh, I haven't gone back a little bit, but I've tried to pay attention during the games, and I've looked a little bit, and I know Mason, the sports guy on Twitter, asked us, you know, is a change at D coordinator a given? And if so, likely replacements. I don't think he's going anywhere. I don't think so either. If he was going anywhere, they would have at least fired him by now. Now, yeah, maybe they, you know, people are like, oh, well, they, they want to hire somebody on our team still in the playoffs. First of all, Andy never hires coordinators outside the team, so that wouldn't be the case anyway. And secondly, that didn't mean that wouldn't mean you couldn't go ahead and fire him or he retire in quotation marks, whatever. Mutual agreement. So I don't think he's going anywhere. Which, honestly, if you like Andy Reid, you should love this. Because to me, Bob Sutton and Andy Reid are the exact same. They are the safe picks. I mean, you're right, Travis. Bob Sutton runs a bend-don't-break defense. Very rarely is anybody ever going to score 40 on us. You know, they're not horrible. But a lot of teams are going to get 20 to 25. That's fine. You can, you'll can you take that most of the time. Well, but see, they only gave up more than 20 points six times this year. True. I can't remember even who those what the Cowboys, the Raiders, Jets, Steelers didn't get yeah the Jets, Patriots. I'm I can't to think remember who the, the other two were. Yeah, but but either anyway, way. yeah, no. either way, they do they does fine. Now, the problem for me with Sutton is kind of the same thing it is with Andy. I hate how the players act with him as their coach. 
I hate the defense. They are the weakest, softest bunch of guys I've ever seen in Kansas City on defense. And this is going back to Greg Robinson days. And Greg Robinson's defenses were the exact same. They capitalized on turnovers. They bend but didn't break. And they were soft. I mean, I can count on one hand the number of big hits the Chiefs had this year. And three of them, or two of them at least, were in the playoff game. There were no big hits. Nobody laid anybody out. Nobody was plowing through guys. That's coaching. If you have weak players who... I watched the Jaguars game. That's the defense I want. And I don't even say you have to be great players. I want that attitude. I want the cocky, arrogant, I'm going to punch you in the mouth, and if you punch me back, we're going to fight, and whoever wins the fight wins the fight. But I'm not laying down. We're going to fight. I saw something and about the— And that's what the, I want from my defense. I saw something about the Jaguars uh, with their new head coach. Um, he had them actually— uh, at the beginning of training camp in all pads, and they were full contact all of training camp. They, di- they didn't take days off without the pads. They they were full contact the whole time. And, yeah. uh, you know, some of their D linemen were talking about how, you know, that's why they've done so well this year and, you know, gotten so many sacks this year. Um, just the whole defense. It, it's very aggressive. It's very young and very aggressive. And yeah, that- I, I completely agree with you. I think there's no attitude on this defense. I think that, you know, we all want to criticize Marcus Peters, but, you know, I keep saying that they need to put Marcus Peters up on the line and let him press against his receivers, and that'll get some of that, you know, attitude out of the way. You know, like, I get the not wanting the penalty kind of attitude, but you got to give him an outlet. And honestly, I think we need more alpha type players because this, you're you're right. This team has no attitude on defense. I think that Raglan will bring a little bit more. And yes, I saw your tweet on uh, Twitter today, Chris. I do have a crush on Raglan. I think that he is going to be something very special. <laughs> <laughs> I, I love going back and watching Raglan film. He, I think that. I think the uh, run defense, if everyone can stay healthy next year, is going to be better. I don't think it's going to be top 10 or anything like that. But just having Barry, Ragland, and Houston on the field, like, I can't tell you how many times I saw a play where it was just Ragland and Houston just disrupting the whole play. I mean, it's so fun to watch those two go at it. And I think that he's going to be a huge huge piece in this defense going forward and it's someone that brings in a downhill hard hit it's something that we've been looking for for a very long time yeah and i agree and i mean the only other problem i have with Sutton, like i said he, he's a safe guy Ben, but don't break and all that fun stuff and he's fine but the other problem is and i and andy reed does it the same thing on the offensive side they run their game no matter who they're playing it doesn't matter we're gonna play the same defense whether we're playing the Titans, who the Jaguars, who only want to run it 40 times a game, or playing the Patriots, who throw it 50 times a game. Same defense. That's not how it works. And you've got to be able to adjust, and that's what I hate. I mean, how many times this year did we see Sorensen sitting at middle linebacker like Eric Berry used to? When Eric Berry does that, Eric Berry's a great middle linebacker. Hell, he's bigger than some middle linebackers. That's a great move. 
call that play. When Daniel Sorensen's in the game, he's not as big as a middle linebacker. Don't call that play. You know, that's like, hey, Andy Reid, when Charles is your tight end and not Kelsey, don't run the slant pass to the tight end. Yes, it's a great play. When Travis Kelsey's running it, when Orson Charles is running it, pick a different play. Don't put the game in the hands of a third stringer. Bob Sutton, when Eric Berry's in the game, please call that play all day long. When Eric Berry's not in the game, please shred that playbook and come out with something different because that's not going to work. And that's the thing that bugged me about Bob Sutton this year was that he just never adjusted. And then, I mean, Justin Houston coverage all the time. And it was just common sense stuff that you watch the game and you're like, this is, I know, I know I'm not an NFL player. Never been, never would be, not a coach, not a scout, not anything. I talk and write stuff. That's my expertise. But I know great pass rushers are great pass rushers because they rush the passer, not drop back into coverage. Run defense involves bigger guys stopping the run, not smaller guys. These are common sense things that I expect my D coordinator to know and to utilize. Just like if my number one tight end is in there, go to my tight end. If he's not, how about go to a running back or my number one wide receiver? And he doesn't do that. They're safe. They're not going to get you blown out. Bob Sutton's perfectly fine in terms of that. He's going to bend, don't break, which if you're a fan and you go to games and you're a season ticket holder like me, bend, don't break is the most frustrating, piss-me-off defense there is because there's nothing worse than getting as loud as you can and losing your voice every third and ten and then passing for a 14-yard first down every single time. They were the worst in the league on, on third and tens. That is the most annoying thing in the world because eventually, dude, I give up. I, I, I can't yell anymore, and you're just going to give it up anyway, so just go. Do your stupid thing. Get down here to the 10, then I'll get loud again, and you guys will step up. <laughs> but do I, I think Sutton's going anywhere? No, he's not going anywhere. We're going to run the same defense next year. So then you need to look, when we get talking about players, what fits Bob Sutton, because Bob Sutton is who's coming back, good, bad, or indifferent. I love coming after the two of you guys. Um, <laughs> it makes me feel better about myself, uh, Travis and Mr. Expertise. Um, listen, you know, I, I try to think outside of the box, especially when I'm doing this podcast, more so than when I'm writing, um, because both of you guys bring up great points, and, and both of you guys are absolutely correct. Um so I take I'm going to take this what if approach, and and the what if is would the defensive numbers been better this year with Eric Berry? Sure, I I feel confident in saying that uh, that we would not be ranked 15th in points allowed. We would be uh, we'd be ranked a little bit higher. One person I know, but that one person being Eric Berry, I think that those numbers would be better. I think we would have bent more than we broke. Um, Bob Sutton's defense listen he's a, a professional coach in the National Football League it doesn't get any higher than that um, so you know we, we can make fun of Blake Bortles all we want to but he is a quarterback in the National Football League he's a starter it doesn't get any higher than that although 
there's plenty of starters that don't deserve it. But Blake Bortles. The, <laughs> yeah, I had to throw him in there one more time in the AFC Championship game, like I predicted. Uh, so, but Bob Sutton, he doesn't have he doesn't have the right offense for for the, his style of defense, in my opinion. His style of defense works great, but the problem is, and I don't know where we rank, and I could be I could be wrong, but I don't believe I am. Um, how many times did we go three and out? To to me, it it seems like a a a serious amount, especially in our losses. I mean, it was it was horrible. Our third down conversion, you know, it, four for eleven, three for thirteen. I mean, those, those are horrible numbers. What does that mean? That means your defense lacking its best player or one of its best players is right back out there. Our defense was out on the field all the time. Our personnel was not that good. And even when our offense was moving the ball and we were scoring points, so we have a defense that allows, you know, uh, what's the number, Travis? How many, what was the average? For, for, for points allowed from our defense. For this year? Yeah. It was, I think, 21 point something, like 21.2 or something. Okay, so so three touchdowns and a fart in the wind, right? Mm-hmm. That's what our defense allowed. Okay, and with Tyreek Hill, Travis Kelsey, Alex Smith, uh, there you go, Britt, I'll say it like you do. <laughs> and, you know, and Kareem Hunt, these guys, and, and we can't score 21 points. We can't score 21 points. We we lose these games that uh, that we shouldn't, like the, you know, like the Jets, like the Giants, like the <laughs> Titans. <clears throat> yeah, Bills. I mean, I mean, they, that's ridiculous, guys. And and I, I'm, so we're looking for a scapegoat. I mean, that's all it is. Oh, you know, Bob Sutton allowed 12 points against the Giants. And we, no, if you take that game away. There's less Bob Sutton haters if if our offense does what they're supposed to do. If our offense does what they're supposed to do against the Bills, against the Titans, against the Giants, there's less hate on Bob Sutton because, number one, our record's a little bit better. Number number two, the attention isn't going there. It wasn't the defense's fault for half of those games that, we've lost, that we lost. It was some of those games, but that's football, right? I mean, sometimes... You know, you go back to the play calling. Oh, well, this guy missed a, missed a block. Well, no, no kidding. That happens. It's football. You you have to account for a missed block every drive. I mean, you, you, should, you should just know that there's going to be a block missed. We have to be able to overcome it. Kansas City can't overcome a missed block. They can't overcome a dropped pass. They can't overcome any of these things. I think... Yes, Bob Sutton's coming back. That that narrative needs to stop. We need to move on. Bob Sutton this, Bob Sutton that. You know, I mean, he can enjoy, how, you know, trending on Twitter for a little bit longer. But that needs to go away because Sutton's coming back. I would be shocked if there's a move made now. Sutton's coming back. Barry will be back healthy, hopefully for the whole year. Houston will stay healthy. Peters will stay healthy. We're going to make some additions. We're going to have some people that, are, that aren't going to be, be on the squad next season. We do have a draft, even though we don't have a number one. We still have picks. We can still do things with those picks. Um, you also have yeah. a ton of cap money if you get rid of, like, Alex Smith, Tom Bahali. Sure. Uh, even restructuring DJ will save you a ton of money. 
Um, we're going to have a lot of money, guys. And then we, I, and we're going to have a different offense. I disagree, and, and there, I have a lot of people that disagree with me, so I obviously disagree with them. Patrick Mahomes is not going to run the Alex Smith offense. I think we talked about this uh, last last episode. Patrick Mahomes is not going to run Alex Smith offense. He's not going to dink and dunk. He's not going to dink and dunk. I don't and care he's what gonna the, want him to. Hey, I, I know. I was going to say, he's, he's going to run the same, uh, maybe a slightly upgraded playbook. It's going to be the same, but he's going to be more willing to push it down the field instead of checking it down. Yes. Because Patrick Mahomes has already proved that he will make, he will attempt the throws that Alex Smith would never even think of. He's not even going to look that way. If he sees the safety sneaking over to the left or to the right, Alex Smith is done throwing the ball that way. All right? So he's, he may look at the receiver on the other side of the field, and then he's going to dink and dunk it. Patrick Mahomes is going to see that safety sneaking over there and say, eh, I got this. So, yeah, I agree that the plays are going to be fairly similar. And, and and it may be Alex Smith's playbook, but Patrick Mahomes is going to play Alex Smith better than Alex Smith did next season. I'm I am confident about that, and I know my track record isn't very good about the things that I've been saying, but it's it will help the defense. Our offense is going to help that defense next year. Eric Berry is going to help that defense next year. Um, it's I think it's going to be fine. Bob Sutton's going to be fine. You know, you, you know Travis, you started this whole thing off with saying you, we're not the worst defense. We're acting like we are, but we're not the worst defense. There are, what, there are over half of the teams that would probably love to have our defensive numbers in the league. We're okay. We don't need to act like we're the Patriots and we just had this horrible season all of a sudden. No, we're the Kansas City Chiefs. We did much better than than a lot of people thought we were going to do before the season even started. Um, we we did make the playoffs. We laid it a big fat egg when we got there. But the way the dominoes fell, I mean, you know, it, it's that that loss to Tennessee is exactly how our season went, and uh, and. You know, yeah, things have to change. If Kareem Hunt comes out next next season and runs nine times a game, yeah, we're going to have problems. We're going to have problems. That should be the number one thing everybody looks at. And I know every, all the focus is going to be on Mahomes and and some of the new new faces that we bring in and some of the young rookies that we bring in. But but the focus once football actually starts has got to be on Kareem Hunt. If we run the ball, if we run the ball more. That defense gets to sit and rest more. They're not on the field more. It seemed like the defense was on the field all the time. You know, I'm okay with these quick quick strikes, you know, first and 10, throw it 50 yards down down to Tyreek Hill. We're going to see a lot of that. We're going to see more, more of that next season than we've ever seen as Chiefs fans. And that's great. But if the end result is a score, I, I seriously doubt the defense – Mine's going back out there and playing some football. But uh, I think Sutton, you know, the bend and break is is nerve-wracking. It's nerve-wracking. But when you know, see, two seasons ago, three seasons ago, we all kind of felt like, all right, well, they're in the red zone. <laughs> but watch. Watch what Kansas City does now. And then we celebrated these Goal line stands after goal line stands after red zone stops after red zone stop. We celebrated last year. I yeah, I did. 
You celebrated it. Britt celebrated it. We all did. Yeah, we allow them to go, get down there, but look at what we did when they got down there. We are we were badass in the red zone defense. We were, you know, come on, come on down. And then once you get here, we're going to send you on home. And and it just uh, when you start breaking more than you bend, which is what we did this season, it it, it gets frustrating. But you know, Sutton will be fine. I think the defense will be fine. Um, you know, I give you guys a hard time about Raglan, but really, R- Raglan is probably the greatest addition, in my opinion, uh, on that defensive side of the ball for sure. Uh, and and I, and I think it's a, a hell of a hell of a swap, to be honest with you. Um, you know, it, it, it's um, Raglan. I can see Raglan playing for the Chiefs for five, six, seven years for sure. So, and it's what it you, is. I think you hit a lot of top or a lot of points that I I definitely wanted to make sure were made in this podcast. I think that a lot of people don't realize is you know out of the six losses in the regular season, three of those games the offense failed to score twenty points. It was you know the the Bills game that was not on the defense. We held the Bills to 16 points. Uh, the Giants took five quarters to get 12 points. That's not on the defense. You know, there's there was three games where they failed to do their job on both sides. You know, so you, you can't pick one or the other. You have to put the blame on both sides, and I don't understand. I think it's because the offense has had such a great year that now we're just – strong focusing on the defense sucks and i think that you know one one other thing i wanted to look at is you know i think another reason that this defense is not working is look at the injuries the last couple years you know last year you had your two defensive ends injured you know chris jones had to step up and play sooner than they expected uh which turned out to be good but you know, you still had your two defensive ends hurt. You had to bring in new guys, bring in uh, rotations. Poe was out there way more than he should have been last year. Houston was out for most of the season, I think the first 11 games, something like that. And then right when he came back, Ford gets hurt. So you never had a great pass rush, which you didn't this year either. So you had those injuries. You had DJ going down late. Then you have this year. Eric Berry goes down at the beginning. D Ford goes down pretty early. Um, the only other pass rusher that you have along the defensive line or edge rushers besides Houston is Chris Jones, who was very underperforming this year uh, outside of a couple games. So really you just had Justin Houston. And I think that not having a pass rush has really hurt this team and you know some of these injuries have really hurt what you know Bob Sutton wants to do with this defense and I think that you know DJ not being himself this year really hurt us but going into the next season you you base your defense around Peters Eric Berry Justin Houston Chris Jones and in my opinion Reggie Ragland I think that those five guys is who you build that defense around. You need another guy opposite of Marcus Peters. You know, we, we, we brought in 62-year-old Darrell Revis, who everyone went nuts about 
for having one good game and then didn't look that great the rest of the time. You know, I, I don't think that I don't think they should bring him back. I, I, I really don't, especially for that money. Even if he's willing to take a pay cut, I really don't think that he is worth bringing back from what we saw. I don't think that uh, bringing in, in a 64-year-old Darrell Revis is great. I, I think that they need to go into free agency and take a good hard look. You know, like I said earlier, if you get rid of Smith, you get rid of Tomba, you get rid of DJ or restructure DJ, either way to where he's not making $8 million next year, you get rid of uh, Colquitt, you know, that's another $5 million you're not spending on a dang punter. Um, you know, stuff like that. And you're going to have around $40 million at least. And that's not even mentioning if you get rid of D Ford. So there's a lot of money that could be spent in free agency if they go that route. And it could, and that's really the only route you can go because there's so many positions you got to look at. And you only got four draft picks. So I think that they do need to take a good hard look. Because honestly, you know, I know that... Um, you know, everyone wants you to go and uh, watch or read Seth Kaiser over on Arrowhead Pride, his film reviews and uh, his takes on the games. I think I, I respect Seth, but I think he's a little more optimistic about some of our players than I am. I think that um, we have a lot of overrated players, and I think that Daniel Sorensen is one of them. I think that I've had enough of Daniel Sorensen. I think that he got um, – What's the word? I think that people figured him out this year. Um, Barry not being on the field and him having to step up into a bigger role, I think that it really showed what he lacks. I think it showed that, you know, he, if anything outside of his small role that we saw last year is not fantastic. You know, he had one interception, and that was a running back who threw the ball. One interception after getting a huge uptick in plays. I, I, I think that the only real thing that he is okay at is playing that kind of robber role when Eric Berry and Ron Parker are both on the field. You know, we saw him constantly be late to getting to the catch point. We saw him take terrible angles, miss tackles. Yes, I know that he led the team in tackles this year, which is just another stat I'd love to forget about. Just because if your safeties are leading your team in tackles, you know you're doing something wrong. But I think that a lot of these players are a little bit overrated, even by Chiefs fans. And I think that there's a lot of places that really need some attention this offseason. One of them being a cornerback opposite of Marcus Peters. Uh, we need another linebacker opposite of Justin Houston. I don't trust D. Ford in his back issues. Uh, even before that, I never really thought he was anything to brag home about. I think that they really need to take a look at that spot. I think that this year we were developing middle linebackers. Um, you know, I think Raglan has turned out really, really well. I think that's just a steal of a of a uh, trade. But I think KPL's coming along. I think give him um, an off season and bring him in as a bigger role next year. I think that you know, of course, they'd have to structure a contract since he's a free agent after this year. But I think that he could be a you know pretty good piece in this defense. But I think there was too many big injuries, 
and you know a lot of overrated. You know everyone everyone acts like this defense is the best equipped defense in the league, and it's not. You know it's it's got some really good players, like especially the five that I just said that you need to revolve your defense around and you're building around. But there's a lot of kind of uh, guys that really make you cringe. You know, for me, it's Daniel Sorensen uh, or D Ford on a run play. Frank Zombo. You know, Frank Zombo on a pass play. I mean, <laughs> you know, like I said, like, I don't, that's my main thing. So, I get the 76% or whatever of passing downs that uh, Houston was actually allowed to rush the passer. I think that's absolutely ridiculous, especially, you know, you look at people like Von Miller who get 98%. But you look at that other side, and there's no one on that other side. So I get that you're frustrated that Houston's making all this big money, and he walked out with 10 sacks. He can't do it alone, guys. You need someone on that other side. And you had Frank Zombo over there most of the year. A defensive line that couldn't generate any pressure to save their lives. I don't understand what you're expecting from him. Listen, if you're a listener and you agree with anything that Travis just said, then turn, flip that over, and then go back to what we said about Bob Sutton. Bob Sutton, all right, we finished 15th in points allowed, and Bob Sutton had a defense full of reserves and second and third string guys out there, basically. Basically. Does Daniel Sorensen start on most other teams? No. Does Frank Zombo start on most other teams? No. You had guys like Terrell. Uh, let's see here. Who You got Eric Murray in there for a while. Philip you Gaines. Had, oh, God. Philip Gaines and Kenneth Acker playing second corner. I mean, good God. I mean, I mean, think about Good it. God. Bob Sutton had nothing, had nothing out there other than a few pieces, and some of those pieces, the guy that you guys have fallen in love with, Raglan. Well, he, 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 he didn't wasn't there at the beginning, right? I mean, really, and he had a, you know, there's a, there's some, some, uh, some growing pains that that each player has to go through, you know, no matter. What level of talent they have if they get on an, on if they go to a new team, especially mid season or or the first part of the season or right before season starts, uh, there there's some acclimation that that has to happen there, and and so I mean it's a, it's a perfect storm I guess you could say for chaos on the defensive side of the ball, and Bob Sutton did okay with it. it you know, actually, I mean, he did okay with the Zombos and the Sorensons, and neither one of those guys should have seen a lick, a lick of playing time minus, you know, a, a quick rest here or there for, for whoever that they're replacing. That's it. That's it. So just listening to you talk, Travis, I'm thinking, man, you know, Sutton did a pretty good job, actually, because he had crap to work with. He doesn't have a bunch of starters out there. Half of his defense was was starting caliber, and the other half was should have been facing groceries at your local grocery store. I mean, it's just 
And so I feel like that he's done a fairly decent job. Now, thanks, Travis. Uh, still, I, I still I, think I, there's issues. There's there's still issues. I mean, we saw Frank Zombo in the playoff game still crashing in when he shouldn't have been crashing in on running plays. I mean, the play that ended the game, he crashed in and got blocked by the quarterback. That was At a pretty some point, sweet I would block think, by Marietta, I'm not going to lie. <laughs> it was nice. At some point, I would think a good defensive coach, whether you're a good player or not, Everybody can do what they're supposed to do. On that play, for example, it's a good coach should have taught him, set the edge first, read and react to the play. He didn't set the edge. Now, he could have set the edge, still got run over or blown by. That's on him. But a good coach will at least have everybody in the right spot. Like the Raider game, for example, with cornerbacks. Sutton had those guys in the right spots. They just didn't make the plays. And I said that after the game, that people were bashing the defense. And I said, the defense actually played well. They just didn't make the plays. I mean, there were at least three passes that should have been intercepted that the Raiders caught. And, like, not tipped and maybe should have. No, I'm talking easily should have been intercepted. So, yeah, that's on them. But then there's later in the season when the players are still doing the same thing. I go back to coaching again. But like you said, there's going to be a lot of change. You know, do I think Sorensen's going to be there next year? Yeah, actually, yeah, I do. He just signed because, a deal last offseason. Because I think, yeah, he, he's cheaper. I think they're going to cut Parker because he saved $6 million on the cap. And... They're going to get him out of there, and Sorensen will be the main backup. And then I know Kenny on Twitter asked us, we'll see more of Leon McQuay the third, and I think we will. He's a guy I was going to ask last that year. as you talked about Parker. Yeah, he's a guy they, they drafted last – drafted, I believe, right, last yeah, year. Yeah, sixth, sixth round. Yeah, and I, I think they do like him. He got some playing time there at the end of the season, and so I think he is the guy they like. And Sorensen's a BYU guy, which just like Andy Reid, and we all know Andy Reid is loyal to a fault. So if he has an option of cheaper from BYU, yeah, he's going to keep Sorensen and get rid of Parker would be my guess because you're not going to keep both of them with Barry coming back. So I assume cut one, keep one, cut the more expensive ones, save some money. And then I think it'll be kind of like a Chris Jones or a TK this year where – McQuarrie probably doesn't get much playing time the first week or two, and then they slowly start to work him in as the season goes. And by the end of the season, it would not surprise me to see McQuarrie starting next to Barry. Now that's see, depending on who the, if do they bring in a safety, like how much do they trust him? Obviously, they trust him enough to draft him, keep him going all year long. So, and the way we do it, I think we'll give him a shot. Now, I could also see them bringing in another cheaper veteran safety to hold the fort if he doesn't See, i don't know i don't i don't know that i agree i think that um i think mcquay will probably still be on the practice squad next year um you know you you look at you're bringing eric berry back i'm not sure that i agree that parker's going to be gone i i really don't um and i know Sorensen won't i think that 
with Bob Sutton's defense, I think having those three safeties on the field will be a very common thing. Um, you're going to see more Barry down in the box and then having Sorensen and Parker up top or having one of the safeties cover a tight end, which could be definitely Eric Barry or uh, Ron Parker. I don't agree with keeping Sorensen around. I get that he's cheaper. Um, I still haven't reviewed Parker's tape. I, you know, I've heard people complain about him this year, but uh, I haven't reviewed his tape. But I, it's one of those things that I think once you get Eric Berry back on the field and get the secondary in sync, I think it'll be a lot better. But I think you're still going to have Eric Murray as a backup. So there's four of your safeties. If they decide to keep a fifth, maybe. Other than that, I don't see uh, McQuay really making the 53. I could see him staying on more the practice squad at this point because, you know, like I said earlier, they're going to have money to spend. I don't see them dropping Ron Parker unless I missed something and they're trying to really bring in some top dollar guys. I just don't see it happening. Oh, but here's the thing. We think they're going to have a bunch of money, but I mean, I think trading Alex Smith, that's a given. I think they're doing that. And if they don't, they're going to cut him. Sorry, people on Twitter who like to argue with me that they wouldn't cut him and he'd start all 18 games, 16 games next season. It ain't happening. Tom by thinks a given. But then DJ, I would like to think it's a given that he's gone. It is way too much common sense. But Andy like Reid's a little guy, and if he says he wants to stay around, it wouldn't shock me if they paid him $8 million to be here next year. Oh, I don't think that... They'll pay him eight million dollars at all. I think that, uh, I think I think DJ takes a pay cut to be able to play another year for the Chiefs and then finish out his career. I don't think DJ does. Well, a, a that's stupid of us to do that. If you don't want him around, then get rid of him. I hate the whole well restructure, take a pay cut, because then all you're gonna do now we're gonna be paying DJ the year after to do that. Do and then maybe the year after fit. that, you're just kicking down the you're just kicking the can down the curb. Do like Macklin. You don't want him. Macklin, Charles. You don't want him. They're not in your plans. Get rid of them. No sense in leaving them linger out there. And then D Ford. I, I I'm scared to death they're gonna keep D Ford. I'm scared. Because I really think they are. His injured reserve is gonna keep him on the team. Which was stupid to ever accept that fifth-year option. Why would you accept the fifth-year option in the middle of the season? Or even before the season? Wait until the end of the season. Then take it if you want it. Why well, would you I accept that, that in season? I think that you have to claim it um, before the season, before your fourth season, I think. I don't think you do, because Blake Bortles is coming up on a fifth-year option. They can keep Blake Bortles for $19 million next year on an option. They haven't claimed it yet. And if he get, that, I always thought that they should have benched him, and you know, before the season started, because if he gets hurt, they're required. Uh, just like with the Chiefs, if if he can't pass a physical, but I think that's only if you've already. I think that's only if you've already signed up for it. No, if so I think if, if you already say I want it in general, they have to pick up that fifth year option. Then yeah, they should have cut D. Which I said they should have cut D. Ford before this year even. So yeah, see, I've but they definitely got to do fan. whatever to get it do because well, and if they do, well, there's eight million more. Mm-hmm. You know, and all of a sudden the forty-five million we think we're gonna have is dropped down to twenty-five 
million. I got a question for Britt before you wrap this up, Travis. And thanks for the question, by the way. Uh, that's always nice. Keep sending them. Listen, do you not if if the Chiefs restructure DJ's contract, Britt, to a a reasonable number? Do you not think that he's a quality reserve at 10, 15 snaps a game? I mean, I think it's pointless. I, I'm not I, I'm not a hold around the old guys guy. I don't care if he retires as a chief. He's been a chief for 15 years. He's going to go in the ring of honor. All that's a given. I don't care if he finishes as a chief. He's been here long enough. He's going to go somewhere for one, maybe two years at most. That's fine. If you're keeping him around, you're keeping him around solely for nostalgia value. Because I'm not taking Ragland out of the game to put in DJ. And more importantly, I'm not giving Andy and them the chance to do that. Because DJ was playing twice as many snaps as Ragland all season long. Despite the fact Ragland was by far, by any measure you want to say, better than DJ this year. I'm not giving them a chance to make that mistake again. Move on. Wish him well. If nobody else wants to pick him up, he can retire. If not, hell, I tell DJ we're going to cut you. And then, by all means, if somebody will pay $8 million, make $8 million. If not, come back and be a linebacker coach. We'll hire you tomorrow to be a linebacker coach or something. But... Anytime you keep a player, it's the same reason I wanted Charles out of here. Anytime you keep a player of that big a name, you just have the instinct you want to play him because he's Derek Johnson. They would have given Jamal Charles carries this year because he's Jamal Charles. Yeah. I'm not running my team based on your name. I'm running my team based on your production. And outside of one gigantic freaking hit in the playoff game, DJ was nowhere to be found all season. He was slow. He was old. And he was actually decent in coverage. But I, I, I agree. I think sometimes he, there were a lot of times running backs got out of the flat and just yeah, he, he definitely behind no catch up. He lost I mean, a step, not only physically but mentally. And I, I completely agree with you. I think that you know it's time to cut ties. I think that the Chiefs have a tendency to keep guys around past their prime you know look at tom bahali look at that big mess of uh letting his contract expire having to pay him another you know four million and then on top of that have to give him this whole new contract where he's making like eight million a year when he's way past his prime i i never understood that contract i love tom bahali i think that he had some gas in the tank last year and then this year we didn't see it and, you know, they said they were saving him for the playoffs, blah, blah, blah. Hardly saw him. <laughs> you know, I, it, it's stuff like that. Um, I, I, I don't understand why they keep these guys around for as long as they do. You know, we, we hear about people complaining about Bill Belichick getting rid of players a year before. You know, the, the player's still in their prime. Okay. At least he's not paying Tom Lee, who's 72 years old, has had knee replacement 18 times, $8 million a year, to not even be on the sideline for most of it. Yeah, that's it's you know, taking up it's a roster ridiculous. spot. 
I mean, think about it. Just go back and Jared Allen. Say Jared Allen's in the draft this year, and we're going to keep DJ or somebody. Do we sign a long snap? Do we draft a long snapper who maybe has a shot and give him a roster spot? I'm sorry, man. We're one roster spot short because we decided to keep DJ because, man, he's a guy. He's a chief. And don't get me wrong. I'm old school. I love guys that play for one team their whole careers. But at the same time, know when you're done. And if you don't know when you're done, then I'm not going to keep you around just because. The Chiefs have done it way too many times where we've kept people past their prime just because we wanted to keep them. Because so we could say, I mean, Carl Peterson was notorious for it. And I'm just, it's the NFL in 2017, 2018. Stands for not for long. (laughs) You know, when you're done, you're done. (laughs) Running backs, I'm turning in and burn them. I'll run Kareem Hunt 400 times the next two years. And if he's done, he's done. I'll move on to the next one. I mean, that's just, that's how the NFL works these days. And that's how you have to approach it. You can't, you can't win and be consistent doing it the other way. Look at the Steelers. Cut James Harrison twice now. Martavius Bryant whining and complaining. Whatever, dude, we don't care what you say. We'll keep you around and we'll dump you whenever we want to dump you. That's how it should be. And that's not how we're doing it. And it's how Tomba stays. It's how DJ stays. Frankly, it's how Eric Berry gets the highest paid safety contract. It's how Justin Houston gets the highest paid linebacker contract when neither one of them probably should have because you just can't pay that much money. But, my God, we got to keep them in Kansas City because they're Chiefs. I don't ever want to keep anybody just because they're Chiefs. I want to keep people because they deserve to be kept. I'd argue that both of those guys deserve to be kept. But either way, I, th- I think that's a – conversation for another day we got to wrap it up we're past our hour so do you guys have anything else you guys want to throw in real quick yeah see you next week brett doesn't <laughs> like the geriatrics <laughs> but brett I love loves the eric berry <laughs> yes he does false <laughs> fake news hashtag fake news <laughs> all right guys that is it um you know, I, I know that we told you guys that we were going to put these episodes out on Friday. We're going to try and put them out on Tuesday or Wednesdays since most of the stuff will be – most of the news and free agency, stuff like that, those are going to happen on Friday or over the weekend. So we'll be getting this stuff to you Tuesday or Wednesday each week. So thank you, Kenny, for the question on Twitter. Uh, make sure you guys start asking questions on what you want to hear um, if you have any questions regarding the team in general. Um, anything you want touched on, any opinions you have that you want brought up, uh, let us know over at Blitz Package KC on Twitter, and we will talk to you guys next time. Thanks for listening to another episode of the Blitz Package over on Arrowhead Addict and Blog Talk Radio. If you want to hear more, make sure you hit that subscribe button wherever you get your podcasts. If you want to see the content that your hosts put out there, you can find myself at Stefan NFL, or you can find my content on Arrowhead Attic. Just search for Travis Stefan. If you want to hear more from Britt Zank, then you can find him at bzank17 on Twitter, and he also is an Arrowhead Attic contributor. If you want to find more on Chris Taylor, make sure you find him on Twitter at ctaylor1911, or you can find his stuff over at kckingdom.com. Thanks again for listening, and we will talk to you guys next time.